0: Go here if it wasn't working here. I would. You guys are awesome. Hey, real quick, I want to tell you uh, some of you do our, uh, our daily Bible reading together. It's called Lexio Divina. Some of you used to do that. We have a Lexio Divina journal. Uh, that's wonderful. You could do that, continue to do that. We're going to be selling Lexio Divina journals out in the mezzanine or out in the lobby, but we need you to uh, sign up and buy one so we can order it. Last time we ordered a bunch of them, didn't sell them all, and because they're dated on the date that you do them, then they end up being no good. So we want you to buy one if you really want one. So the second thing is this, uh, they actually, the same company that came out with the Lexio Divina journals that we do our Bible study with uh, in our church, they actually came out with an app just a couple of weeks ago. So I've been doing my daily Bible study on the app, which is great because you can actually do your journaling right there either with your phone or your computer or whatever it is. And, and it, you, can, you log in and it keeps, I think it's two bucks a month or something, and it equates to the same amount that you would pay for a paper journal. Uh, so it's actually pretty great. I love it. Uh, and it's, you find, I find myself uh, not trying to track down my journal as much because it's with me all the time. And so if you want to join us, do that. It would be great to have you doing that with us. Amen. Hey, listen. We are in the middle of a six-week series entitled "The Emotionally Healthy Family." Emotionally healthy family. If there's one thing that um, most of us uh, have not is emotionally healthy families. <laughs> uh, I find that it's interesting that in church world, uh, we we are a very emotionally healthy, emotionally charged group, but not always emotionally healthy. Uh, I think it's important that we learn how to walk in things that are difficult, um, forgiveness, uh, kindness, loving, all those kinds of things. But oftentimes, those things take back seat, and emotional health becomes far less an issue, and far more of an issue becomes, you hurt me, I'm mad at you, and that's how we remain for years. Right? Emotional health. I've said this before, and I'll say it probably every time I preach on family. I believe that the family is literally the most powerful institution on planet Earth I don't think there's a company, I don't think there's somebody with money, that, I don't think there's a, an organization that has more influence and power over people than family. On, on purpose or by default, your, your family influenced you, uh, whether it was good or whether it was bad, whether it was an amazingly Christian experience or an incredibly difficult trying time, your family had influence over you. It's influenced you to either run after that situation the way that it was, or to run from it and try to reframe your own version of what family's supposed to look like. In any case, family has a massive impact on us. George Barna, who is a uh, research professional, he's a market research analysis, oftentimes studying religious trends uh, and behaviors of Americans. Uh, interviewed over a thousand people, or nearly a thousand Americans. He surveyed them and asked the question, how much does family play a role in your identity? How much did your family play a role in your identity? Listen to this. 5% said didn't, not at all. 8% said, eh, not that much. When asked how much does family formation uh, affect the formation of your identity, 24% said some Listen to this, 62% of all of those Americans surveyed said that family had a massive impact on the formation of their identity. Of those group of people, 53% were millennials, and millennials said that it had some, uh, if not a big impact on their life. Those who were over 75, 76% uh, 76 of those questioned about that, that were over 75, said that it had an incredibly uh, big, meaningful impact on on their identity. Now, I'll tell you this, if I was the enemy, I would do everything I could to try to distort, contort, redefine, mess with the understanding and the messaging of family. Because if he can mess with family, he can mess with us as humans. If family is that important to the formation of our identity, to to the formation of what it is that we live with, then could you imagine what he could do if he could really mess with an understanding of family? I think he's gotten that message pretty well. Because he seems to try to mess with it quite a bit. Hmm. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for today. We need you a bunch. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Pastor Heather talked about emotionally healthy families in terms of your emotions and how you bring emotions in or out of family. I think it was really important. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, Make sure you go uh, podcast it or go online and you can hear it from our website. But pay attention to some of the things she talks about, about healthy emotions. Because God gave us emotions. The problem is, is we oftentimes lead with them instead of allow them to show up after healthy decisions are made. Remember, your emotions are to be the caboose of the train, not the engine, right? So when they show up, they're supposed to be, you can, emotions are from heaven. They're godly. The problem is, is that we usually lead with them instead of let them follow, right? Today I want to talk to you about the emotionally healthy family in terms of what family values are. The emotionally healthy family values. Now when the political season starts to come about and all the politicians start to lob out their phrases that we hear a bunch of, we hear that phrase often, the idea of family values. And and whether they mean it or not, whether they mean what you mean or not, They'll lob them out there to try to garner some sort of support for whatever stance they have on that issue. But what are family values? What are godly values that God wants us to experience in the context of family? Good question. Before I answer that, though, I want to make sure we can can answer two questions, or to understand the definition of two phrases. The first is this, the purpose of family, and the second is the definition of what a value is. If we can understand those two things, the purpose of family and the definition of values, then I think we can really understand what God wants to say in this message. So the purpose of family, I've said it before, the purpose of family is really to form your identity and to reveal God to the world. I think the purpose of family boils down to two things, the the formation of your identity and really showing God to you and the world. Really, family is this place where you get to experience who God is. Yesterday I sat down with my son, uh, my, my daughters and my son came home. My son actually just finished, I just saw on, online, my son finished a marathon just now. Right, and I was, he just finished, I just got a video of him finishing the marathon. I was like, he's so funny, yesterday he's like, yeah, man, I'm really worried about mile 16. It's a really difficult one for me, and I said, I know, me too. It's like, <laughs> mile 16 really throws me off, man. I was like, how random is that? He's like, yeah, man. I thought, whatever, but, but as we were talking, he said, he goes, Dad, you know, I, I really began to understand God by watching you, and I was like, oh, no, seriously, he's like, but let me tell you this, that's God's plan, right, and by the way, if you feel like that's a big job description, fellas, it is, and it should scare the absolute daylights out of you, and you should walk with the fear and trembling that your kids and family are looking at you like, oh, that's how God is, how you doing? It'll buckle your knees, right? It should buckle our knees. It should get to the point where like, Lord, I don't, or my wife is watching how I'm, I'm what? You get to present you to her, to your family. Like they get to see you that way. And by the way, wives, you know what you get to be the illustration of? The church. You're it. How, and by the way, how you respond to your husband is in direct proportion how your children will respond to the church. (laughs) hmm. <laughs> so you're like, that explains something. God's intention was it to, that we would see something really simply. God wanted the family to be this place where he could reveal himself, where he could begin to, to, to reveal who, his plan. God wanted to make it super simple. We made it super messy. Definition of family, to understand the formation of your identity and to reveal God. Second, the definition of values. I wrote this down. The values, what are they? They're a set of beliefs that guide or motivate attitudes and actions. A set of values. They're, they're beliefs to guide or motivate attitudes and actions. I love this. Remember what values are, right? I told you this a couple weeks ago. Values are those beliefs and behaviors in your life that if they don't happen, kind of make you mad. If it doesn't make you mad, I'm convinced it's probably not a value. Let me explain. Some of you are like, I love hearing God's Word. God's Word is awesome. I want to be in God's Word all the time. In fact, being in God's Word is a value to me. I might say, seriously, is that how that works in your life? Tell me where it's showing up in your daily life. Well, I don't know how we read my Bible. So to me, I would say that's not such probably a value. You might say, I value having a great mowed lawn, and your lawn never gets mowed. Probably not. You might say to yourself, like, wow, I really value timeliness. Being on time is a value to me. Unless you're not showing up on time. Values. Values. If it doesn't bug you a little bit, you probably don't value it. Because to me, if, it, if you value something, it's going to show up in what it is that you, it'll bug you if it gets crossed. I promise you. Time is a big deal for me. I mean, that's why when we start church, sometimes there'll be three people. And by the way, we're we're an equal church in America today. It's so funny. On the sabbatical I went on, I went to churches where the church would start. Sometimes they'd start 10 minutes late because there's six people in, this, in the in the sanctuary. and That would happen. It happens everywhere, right? And the same with us. Some of you still think we only sing three songs. Or me too. <laughs> we actually sing more than three songs here. It's amazing. Some of you are like, when I stood up here and said, hey, yeah, what Elia said, they're like, did she say something? <laughs> she did. First song. Values. They're important because if they if they show up in your life, if in, in word, they better show up in your life indeed. What are family values then? Family values are an agreed upon set of beliefs and behaviors that pertain to a family structure, a family's function and roles and ideals to be lived out by that family. Remember this, you are the one that brings you into your family. So the key to healthy family is getting you healthy, right? The key to healthy family values, really, are you getting you healthy. More often, most of us actually got into a relationship hoping that the other, the other part of the marriage would actually bring health into your relationship. You, you thought to yourself, like, well, I'm going to do my best, but I'm kind of hoping that she has some moral boundary that will keep us on the right track. I'm kind of hoping that he has some sort of a moral compass that will keep us heading in the right direction. <laughs> Let me tell you this, you bring you into your family. You bring the healthy, you bring the broken, you bring the hurting, you bring the, 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 the wonderful. You bring you into your family. And your family's made up of you and your, and, and your family all together. So the goal then would be for you to come to a, a, a sermon like this and say, God, how do I get me healthy? How do I get some health into my life so that I can bring a healthier version of me into family? So, so I wrote this down. I, I was raised in a family that wasn't uh, the most healthy in terms of emotional, uh, emotionally healthy uh, issues or standards. Now, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I, we didn't say the words family values in my home. We, we didn't talk like that. So my family of origin, uh, I think I've said this before here, but between my wife, uh, her biological parents, and my biological parents, between the two parents, there's, I think, 11 divorces. In, in remarriages, and also, so there 's a bunch in fact there's some that i don 't even know um, some of the step siblings that i i'm told I have i haven 't met them you know so uh, and, and because the marriages were so short and i didn 't know who those people were, so we have i 'm telling you, so I was raised in kind of crazy so so I went back this last week and said okay i can 't go back and look on the wall or the refrigerator of some household to find out what our family values were." But I could go back and reverse engineer some of the things that would have made us mad or or made somebody in the house mad if we didn't do. Therefore, I could figure out what our family values were. So I sat down to kind of come up with five values that I was raised with in my family of origin. They're not great. But let me tell you what those family values were that I grew up with. Number one, how you perform determines your level of importance. In other words, if you can twirl cartwheels and sing songs and you can uh, do the kinds of things that make people happy and make money and have a good job and uh, be uh, exceptionally healthy and happy in the front of people, then you will have some sort of importance. If you don't, you didn't. If you didn't, you don't. You, you, th- there had to be something because you were important based on how you did things. And if you didn't do things well, then you weren't important. Value number two, my dad was the supreme king of his house no joke. He had his chair. Uh, he had his uh, ice cream. He, he had his, uh, uh, his, his way to do things. And, and when we would walk into the house, my dad could walk in after our, our, we all got home from school or he would be there. He would come walking in and he'd say, you're in my chair, get up. And you'd have to get up because it was his house, his rules. I remember one time uh, my dad was a, a big fan of these chocolate donuts, right? And because all of us kids were like not fans of some of that value, uh, we, we bought a rubber donut, and we put it on a plate, and he was, it was, it was one, of my, one of my best moments as a child, right? So uh, he, he poured a glass of milk and sat in his chair and gnawed on a rubber donut, and I was like, Jesus, right? So sorry, it was inappropriate, but I remember feeling pretty good about that, and I blamed it on my sister. Sorry about that. But, but I would tell you, <laughs> my sister's over there. Uh, listen to this, value number three of my family of origin... Children should be seen and not heard. I grew up with a value in my family, unfortunately, where kids were less than and you should remain quiet because adults are talking. Um, Wasn't because there was a time to interrupt appropriately or inappropriately. It was always just if you are a kid, you're you're less than. And so enough of you. Because adults are talking. Value number four that I grew up with. The truth is only important as long as it gets you what you want. If the truth doesn't get you what you want, then lie. Not kidding. That's the value I grew up with in my family. Bend the truth all you can. Smile and wink and people will believe you. Number five, value I grew up with. God is good for getting you to heaven and out of trouble, nothing more. That's all I knew. I just knew God was good to get you to heaven and out of trouble. But if you wanted a relationship, I didn't even know what a relationship to God was like. I just needed him to get to heaven and be out of trouble. I didn't know you could have a relationship with God. That was the thing that actually helped me find a a walk with God, was because this person I was talking to said, you know you can have a relationship with God, right? And I was like, I didn't know. Never heard that. I was just hoping to get to heaven and avoid hell and make sure that God was helping me in my times of trouble. (laughs) That's the one I grew up with. I grew up with that as a mindset. Now, some of you are like, wow, that's so close to what I was raised up with, or that ain't nothing, whatever you got going on in your family of origin in your head. But I'm here to tell you this, whatever you were raised up with, it influenced how you live today. When Polly and I got married almost 30 years ago, I remember we began to talk about some of the the values that I grew up with. And I remember thinking, I got to distance myself from some of that because, because I do tell the truth. And I am a man of my word, and I'm not going to bend that thing. And I don't want to, I don't want to be I, in my house right now. I don't have a chair. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I would laugh if my kids gave me a rubber donut. I, I just, those kind of things were not the values that I was going to die on the hill of. But some of you remember the hurt and the pain that you grew up with. Can I tell you this? You, you don't have to live with how you were raised. You can make decisions to change some of that. You can say, God, show me what you value. Show me what you see of me. And I remember having God show me, like, you don't have to believe that children should be seen and not heard. And my kids had a seat at the table of my life. They would tell me their heart. I'd tell them my heart. We would share it together. We would pray together. We would cry together. Because they have the same size Jesus I do in my life. Somebody came up to me after, before service, last service, and they read one of our values that are hanging out there on the wall. And they said, kids have the same size Jesus. What does that mean? And I told them what I just said. They didn't get the happy meal Jesus. <laughs> they got Jesus. And sometimes their faith was a little more reckless and unabandoned than, than mine. Hmm. And I needed that. I sat down this last week, and I, I ran through the Bible to say, like, then God, help me identify a few a few values in the Bible that I could share with some of my friends that, that perhaps you could add to your life. So I have 10 of them here, but can I just challenge you not to feel this crazy urge to, to have all 10 of them show up in your life from this point forward? Can I just challenge you to say, maybe add one of these values to your life, maybe two, perhaps three, and just say, God, I want you to begin to reveal that value in me so that it can show up and be who you, incred- who you created me to be. And maybe today you walk away with one value that changes from, from how you live instead of 10 of them that you're wishing would, ha- would happen in your life. So here's number one. 10 of the most notable values I found in the Bible this last week. Number one, worship God in him only. Mark chapter 12, 28 says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized that Jesus answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Honor the hero Israel. The Lord your God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can I just tell you there's nothing left? I've said this before. I don't believe God wants to be number one in our lives. I think he wants to be the only one in our lives because if there's a number 1 there's a number 2 and a number 3 and a number 4 he wants to be what we live our lives for he doesn't want us to be christians at church and then employees at work he wants us to be a christian employee at work like he wants us to serve him wherever we are you get to live as a believer because you're a believer whatever you're doing yikes worship God only number 2 number 2 values that are most notable in the bible Number two, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mark chapter 12, verse 31, second equally important, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So important. We spend so much time trying to uh, prop ourselves up. I, I, I oftentimes, I'm not on social media, but uh, my daughter said to me the other day, she said, Dad, it's so weird, and she, it's my middle daughter, so she's 25, I think. Anyway, she she has a little daughter, and and she said to me, it's so weird. My husband and I sit down, Dad, we go out to eat, and the first thing we do is we pull out our phones and take a picture of our food. And I'm like, why do you do that? She goes, I don't know, but I just feel like i got to tell someone what I'm eating. I was like, you know what I do when they bring my food? I just eat it. She goes, i got to snap a picture of it because i got to tell everyone else. She goes, that is, she said, that's the craziest thing ever. Why do I do that? And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't, I've never understood that. I'm glad I didn't get caught up in that. I got caught up in other things, but not that one. And I can tell you, sometimes we just want to posture ourselves to, to make ourselves just look a little better, that our lives are going just a little better because we want to be able to say to everyone around us, don't you wish you were me? When we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, we start to say our, to our neighbor, like, listen, I'm here to live my life to bless you. To, to, I'm here to, to show you something different. Remember when Jesus was, was asked, who's your neighbor? And he's like, Well, pretty much everyone you're standing next to. Right? Your neighbor. It's not necessarily the guy who has the address next to yours, though that's important, and we don't do that very well today. It's the person near you, right? W- what are you doing with that? Are you showing him or her the love of Christ in your life? Number three, live humbly. Live humbly. It says in Colossians chapter three twelve, since God chose you to be a holy people whom He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know what I love about that passage is that Paul when he's talking, he doesn't say um, live humbly, here's how you live humbly, just pray longer, J- just go to church more often, J- just sing more songs more loudly he says Clothe yourself with mercy. And to me, that picture is so important, right? Most of you came to church today and you did a good job clothing yourselves, right? Some of you it's questionable, but for the most part, you clothed yourself, right? And somebody texted me between the services and they said, Lance, something about the clothing of yourself. You can't, you can't clothe yourself on top of other clothes, they said, otherwise, it's just awkward and uncomfortable. So in other words, what he was saying was, is you have to take off something to put on something. And I was like, that's good. He said, listen, when we're going to clothe ourselves, you go to your drawer and you pull out a per- whatever it is you've got to put on, but you've got to take something off to put that on. Otherwise, it's uncomfortable, right? The same way with putting on tenderhearted mercy or love or, like he said, gentleness or kindness. You get to put it on. By the way, some of you recognize those as the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Can I tell you, I've told you this before, but I think we read the fruit of the Spirit wrong. The fruit of the Spirit (laughs) isn't necessarily a bunch of different fruits. It's actually one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. It's like a bowl. Literally, the fruit of the Spirit is love that manifests itself joyfully, patiently, kindly, gently. It's love. The fruit of the Spirit is one big fruit called love. It just manifests itself in a bunch of different ways. It's the same way. You got to put it on. The thing I love about that is that you don't have to do it all in your own strength. He's a good daddy. You just got to give it a shot, and then he'll show up and empower you. Come on, that's, a, that's an amen-worthy thing right there. Hmm. James four, six and seven four, five and six says this: God sets himself against the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Hmm. Number four: most notable value in the Bible, number four: be honest. Galatians 6, 7 says this, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will reap what you sow. For those who live to satisfy their own desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the the Spirit will harvest an everlasting life. I remember uh, being honest, I remember early on in my marriage trying to get this whole tell the truth thing down and I, I I came to Polly, and we were trying to figure out how I was going to be honest about everything from this point forward. I was never going to twist anything or bend anything and just kind of tell a half-truth, so I was going to be, like, dead honest. And she's like, good, let's do that. So <laughs> she was like, um, hey, what time did you get home last night? And I was like, 9.36. And she's like, okay, 9.36. Uh, how much did you spend yesterday on lunch? And I was like, 8.27. <laughs> okay okay, like, you know, you do know, we round things, right, not when you're trying to learn how to tell the truth, I May mean, you go on, and then she's like, um, how does my hair look, <laughs> right, literally, you know what happened, this is like, this is like dumb young dude Lance, right, so I was in a couple of years of marriage, and I came home from work one time, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad she's not here, I came home yeah. from work, and she had her hair looking different than I'd ever seen it before, and, I, and it was like the better part of valor is just to keep your mouth shut, right? So I, I didn't necessarily, it wasn't my faith, right? And, but it's not my place to care. It's her hair. She can do what she wants to do. But I remember walking in and I was like, I said nothing. Let me tell you, fellas, don't say nothing. That's worse than saying the wrong thing, <laughs> right? So I said nothing, right? So we're two hours into me being home and she's like, you didn't, didn't you notice? whatever?" And, and all I could come up with was, you caught me off guard, And she's like, "That's all you got? (laughs) I caught you off guard." I was like, "I'm an idiot. I didn't know what to say, (laughs) right?" So, here's what you say: "Looks awesome, right?" Just start with that, right? (laughs) So, glad you like it. I mean, I don't know what to say, but you got to come up with something. Jeez, be honest. You figure it out. (laughs) I got thirty years in. I figured a couple things. Number five. Most notable values in the Bible, honor God with how you live. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Don't you know you don't belong to yourself? For God brought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You know, I think this is something that I think so many of us just fail to remember, that you were purchased at a high price. In fact, the, the, the word, the Bible actually says, it's kind of an unpopular word, but actually the, the New Living Translation and the NIV and sometimes the ASV will translate it, um, you are a servant of Christ. Can you see the actual Greek word, which is offensive? It's the word slave. Literally says this, you were purchased, not of your own volition, but you were purchased by the blood of God. Could you imagine if we lived our lives as absolutely sold to him? Like our decisions, God, should I buy that? Should I, should I go here? Lord, should I take that job? All becomes, God, you, I belong to you. I, I, I serve you. Could you imagine if we lived as servants of the Most High God in all that we decided? Like it would change things. Instead of, instead of, God, I really want to do this, this, and this. If you will, I'll do yours, but you're like the fifth option. Instead of saying, God, what I do is I have been purchased by you. I give me to you. You tell me what we do. Hmm. Number six, be generous. Be generous with your time and your resources. Second Corinthians says this, remember this, a farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. But those who plant generously will reap a generous crop. Each of you must make up your own mind how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Man, I'm telling you what, if, I think honestly that generosity is, is to me, the, is the, more of the picture of who Jesus was than anything else. In fact, if you want to become more like God, become more generous. If you want to become more like him, be generous with your time, be generous with your, your life. you want to become more like him, just say, God, I'm here to serve you and live generously that way. I don't know a person who's more generous than my wife. She is like ridiculously generous. She will give anything to anybody who asks for anything. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, let's do that. But, but the thing is, is she's just like, hey, look, I, I just have stuff that belongs to God and I just want to steward it well. And, and could you imagine living life and saying, God, I'm just here to be generous with my time and my resources. Another value in the Bible, number seven. All right, number seven practice what you preach practice what you preach matthew 23:27 says this how terrific it will be for you how, ter- how terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and pharisees you hypocrites for you're like whitewashed tombs beautiful on the outside but filled inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity you look you try to look upright to people outwardly but inside your hearts you're filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness what that really means is, is Jesus was talking to them and saying, you're like a cemetery that has really pretty gravestones. But you realize, like, the whole point is in a pretty graveyard, the whole point is there's dead people's bones there. And he said, so many of you act like that, you look pretty on the outside, but you're rotting on the inside. Practice what you preach. In my, uh, when I was growing up, my dad would make us, some of his discipline tactics were a little weird, but one of them was he would make us write sentences. And so I remember one time him making me write sentences hundreds of them, and I I was a teenager, and I'm sure I was bigger than my britches trying to do what I was doing, and so he said, Lance, you're going to write, whatever, several hundred sentences. You know what the sentence was? I will practice what I preach. Little did he know, right? So, (laughs) okay, that's why I'm here. No, I'll tell you this, right? So I I would tell you, there's nothing worse than, than saying you're something and living the way you're not, but don't we live in a culture that does that? Live in a culture that says one thing and does another. I think there's an authenticity that God wants to wake up in the hearts of His church and say, Be it all the way. Like, don't just say you're a servant of the Most High God, be a servant of the Most High God. Don't just say you worship me with your lips, worship me with your life. Don't just say you trust me and not allow your money to show up in your trust. It's like Kari was saying earlier. There's got to be this moment where we say, God, I trust you with all that I am. And our, uh, we become more uh, uniquely genuine in all that we are because we say, God, I want to be genuine through and through. I want to say that I am, so therefore I will be. Instead of saying, hey, listen, our family's not going to watch rated R shows or say bad words or do anything that's uh, overtly crass. And we find ourselves at those moments just letting it rip in front of our kids, are kids watching what we say we value, but experiencing it a whole different way. Yikes. I remember back in uh, back when I was in uh, I was an intern i don't know if you knew this, but I was an intern here at this church thirty some years ago, uh, and I remember Yvonne was helping with the internship program back then, and she had uh, she had us all write mission statements for our lives. and I remember as a, Polly and I together wrote a mission statement for what would become our family, and our mission statement. I just talked to my daughter about this yesterday as we were all together, about our mission statement as a family. And it's the same mission statement. It's, it's the statement of our, our family motto, if you will. And it was simply this, to be what we want others to become. That that is the Powers family, our job was to be what we want others to become. In other words, our lives weren't to be telling people what to do unless we were actually doing that thing in our lives. So if we told people, hey, watch what you're saying or uh, check your attitude at the door, then we should do that. and We need to be what we want others to become. If Otherwise, we're just phony in our family. Authenticity was a big deal. We would say, listen, hey, man, it's not showing up in your life and stop yapping about it. Let it be for real. And those kind of things were important in, in our fam- my family. Numbers, number eight, value in the Bible. Work hard, work hard. Thessalonians 3.10 says this. This is tough, listen to this. Even while we were with you, we gave you this rule. Whoever does not work should not eat. Yet we hear some of you say that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, wasting time, meddling in other people's business. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to you. We we appeal to such people. No, we command them. Settle down, get to work, and earn your own way. ye. One of the hardest conversations I had as a dad was to my youngest daughter, who's now 23, and, and I remember Bailey. Her, she was she was our baby. She was the last one home, and and I sat down with her and told her that she's gonna have to start paying rent because she's at our house. She was working a good job, and I just and and, and I remember Polly and I thinking like, hey, now that the other two are gone, we can afford her staying home, and so it's a little easier, right? But we kept on saying we're not helping her because when she gets out of our house, it's gonna cost her to live. So we, 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 all three kids, they had to pay rent when they were having jobs and doing their deal. And naturally, we weren't charging market value, trust me, <laughs> right? But what we were doing is we were, we were making them come up with something that said, listen, you don't just get to sit here and freeload because I want you to be successful after you move out of our house. Today, she lives on her own. She has a great job. She's doing great. And by the way, when she moved out, we gave her all that rent that she gave to us. So she could put it down on the down payment to where she was going. Little did she know. The, the thing is trying to say is this is that you gotta teach your kids how to do some of that stuff. And it may not be that you did it well for the first one or the second one, but do it for the third one. You do whatever you got, do something different. Remember, you're always learning. Number 10, don't be self-righteous. You don't need any explanation on that. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Number five, number 10. Forgive those that hurt you. Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those that sin against you, then your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you. That's painful. But it's the truth. We've talked about this here. I'm telling you, there's, forgiveness is a part of life that is so difficult. But when you begin to walk in its freedom, then you begin to find freedom. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, I was saying this this last service, unforgiveness is like the, it's like in the spiritual realm, unforgiveness is like cancer. It wants to kill you as long and as, as mean as possible. It just wants to eat you alive from the inside. Unforgiveness is like the, the spiritual equivalent of, of, of physical cancer it just starts to gnaw at you because you feel so right, you know, because she hurt you or he did this wrong and somehow you have a reason to stay in this place of bitterness. And I tell you, all it's doing is rotting you from the inside. Now, I say that from the front of the stage with lights and a microphone. Let me tell you this, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do is to forgive someone who hurt you. But it's the most freeing thing you'll ever experience when you cross that line. And you begin to walk in forgiveness for you. They might experience something, but that's not your problem. You get to find freedom, but it's not easy. Let me close by adding this one last thing. Family values are caught, taught, and brought. Family values are, to, are, are gonna be caught. They're watching your kids, your family, your neighbors. Everyone's, it's, it's caught. Family values are caught by people watching you. They're just watching you. Family values are, are caught. In other words, people will come by, your kids will watch, they'll see you. They're, they're caught. People will look and say, Man, I see you doing whatever, and they're going to see that. They're also taught. Family value, values need to be taught. You need to explain what they are, you need to unpack what they are, you need to uh, express what they are, all kinds of different ways. When you talk about generosity, if your family's gonna be a generous family, I love, uh, I, uh, I love the fact that Yvonne, my friend, part of our church council, she, she had said to me at one point she had stuck uh, things in her car, the uh, resources, food or whatever it was for her daughters when they would pull up to a stop sign and there would be someone there, a homeless person with a sign and then they would have that ready just in advance knowing they were gonna run into somebody and they could just give it to them. You know what her daughters probably were taught? They were taught Generosity. Right? It was also caught, right? And it's brought, meaning that you get to bring it to the rest of the world. You get to bring your family values to work or to school or to your neighborhood. You get to choose to walk it out in front of the people who are watching you. Caught, taught, and brought. Amen? I want to pray for you today. Can you do that? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that. Thank you that we don't have to have it all figured out. Thank you that your word uh, begins to tell us things that can really help us become the people you want us to be. God, would you forgive us for the mistakes that we've made? Maybe that's what's been crossing your mind this entire time, is all these mistakes. Can you just ask Jesus to forgive you? Maybe today would be a new day. Maybe today you could say, hey, listen, I might have my kids at home, but I want to learn how to be the the woman of God or the man of God that I was always supposed to be. And you watch God do something in you. God, have your way. Bring healing. Bring hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let, Let me challenge you with this last thing. We're, we're going uh, to Israel. Some of you have been wanting to go to Israel. We have a trip planned in February. Uh, some of you have expressed interest and said, Lance, when you guys go, I'd love to come and be a part of that. I have a sign-up sheet out at the information station out there. Uh, will you go out there and sign up? Uh, because I, I have to do more than just hear you say you want to come. I want to create a meeting, but I got to find out who to invite. So uh, if you really are interested in going, uh, it's, a, it's a chunk of change, but it pays for everything. It's one, one payment. It covers the whole trip. Uh, so, so if you want to come to see Israel, I'd love to have you be there with us. And the last thing is this, um, I'm not such a great self-promoter, but I was in college, I studied music, and uh, I've joined a, a barbershop chorus. Nee, 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 nee. So, um, yeah, hilarious. Uh, but we actually have a concert, and I say that because Rob uh, Chandler is also in the chorus, and he's threatened me if I don't say something about it. So it's in two weeks, June 22nd, it's going to be here. So there you go, come and be a lot of fun. Why don't you stand up? God bless you. Be encouraged. Have a great afternoon.